Welcome to Grinding the Data. My name is Kevin Scott. I'm so glad to be with you. As we get started with the pod this week, I wanted to help you get to know me a bit more personally. I've been married for 19 years, have three kids who are almost 8, 12, and 15, and my family is such a huge part of my life and what I'm all about. Uh, My wife has supported this fantasy football thing for all these years, which is pretty amazing. Out of college, uh, I was actually a a youth pastor for a few years, and then I became, since then, a business owner, an entrepreneur, started doing realty as well. And through all those years, I've been playing fantasy football pretty seriously. I started when I was young, about uh, I was in high school, um, and then since then, I've gotten more and more into it and more serious as I've gone along. I started doing writing and podcasting alongside everything else in the last few years and mainly just wanted to share some of what I've learned with others and have an outlet. Most of my work, aside from the realty recently, has me sort of grinding things out, ironically, in isolation, working on websites or reaching out to customers. So I wanted something that was focused on, you know, directly helping people, interacting with people directly over Twitter, that kind of thing. So when, when, when you guys ask me questions, I enjoy that. I love helping and giving my opinion on those things. Uh, whatever, whatever I've learned can be of use to others. I love that. I'm not in this to, to make it big or make big money. I'm doing this podcast and writing the articles I write to help because I like to help. Um, I, I uh, did my first money league back in about 2008. I bought in for $100. I got second place in that league. I won $300 and reinvested that money into three more leagues and did the same thing the next and the next season. And consistently now, years later, went about, you know, usually over $10,000 per year playing fantasy football. There are bigger years and smaller years. And I'm honestly not in it for the money. I just enjoy the challenge, the community. And the fun of it, uh, what I do uh, get out of it that's kind of cool is that I've taken my family on a, an all-expenses-paid luxury vacation every year for the past four or five years paid for by fantasy football. So at least they, they, they see all the work I put in, but they get to get something out of it that feels nice. Nice little reward for all of the grind. So that's where I'm coming from. I just wanted to share that with you uh, so you know a little bit more about me. I I hope you enjoy this podcast and get something out of it, but that's really all I want from you. I I ask you to do a few other things each week because they will help the podcast grow, and that's that's the point. Uh, Long term, I want to be able to keep it growing so that more and more people can can hear it and and be uh, helped by it. Uh, But, you know, really I'm just doing it to help because I enjoy that. Um, and I want you to win because winning is fun. It's much more fun than losing. If you do want to help out, I'll, I'll repeat those four things. I'd love you to be able to help me out in those ways. Number one is subscribe to the podcast if you haven't done that yet. Number two is rate and review the podcast, especially on Apple Podcasts. That really helps a ton. We just have a few reviews and they're very positive. But if you could go over there, even if you don't use Apple Podcasts, you go over there and review it uh, and leave a, a rating as well. That would be awesome. And three is spread the word, text people you know that like fantasy football, share on Twitter, whatever you can do to spread the word is helpful. And then the fourth is you can support the pod. That just helps us be able to pay the people that we need to pay to, to help with the uh, production and all that kind of thing and uh, just keep it going. You can do that at anchor.fm slash grinding the data. But if you do none of those things, you know, that's okay. I'm glad you're here and I hope this is helpful to you. So let's let's go ahead and start grinding some data, shall we? Let's start with our hot list, the things that are most crucial to keep in mind. Uh, 
Antonio Gibson played on only 55% of snaps, his lowest of the season. This is quite concerning for those who drafted Gibson early. It looks like it might be a trend that is going to stick around that he's playing fewer snaps, unfortunately. I hope that I'm wrong there. McKissick saw 40% of snaps and received 12 touches to Gibson's 16. So Gibson has played fewer snaps each week from 65 to 61 to 57 to now 55. So it's not a huge swing, but we're seeing a little bit of a decrease every week. Now there is the injury issue, so perhaps that's part of it. And you know, at the end of the day, you're gonna need to keep starting him anyway because of his upside, but I, I don't have good news for you with Gibson. And as, as far as running back situations that are confusing, how about those Falcons? <laughs> Mike, Mike Davis played on 67% of snaps but got 13 carries for 14 yards. And then Corderell Patterson played on only 30%, but got six carries, only six carries, but he went for 34 yards. So half the carries, way more yards. Wayne Gallman was in there too a little bit this week, got six carries for 29%, or sorry, 29 yards on 13% of snaps. Uh, Patterson, he got 12 opportunities overall though, because he got so many uh, targets. Davis got 15, and then Patterson scored three touchdowns receiving. Davis, his only touchdown, was also receiving. Really, really weird week, but this is a weird offense. Uh, Patterson continues to produce far ahead of Mike Davis despite playing on like half the snaps typically. It's a very strange situation. It's, it's sort of baffling. I do not think it will continue, even though he's been doing it for four weeks consistently. I do think he's going to continue to get the receiving share and, you know, there will be touchdowns, sure. And I do think he's going to get a few carries here and there. Um, I, I don't know if you can continue to count on him as a top five back. I seriously doubt it when you're only getting 30% of snaps. But for now, uh, you're probably playing him with how bad the, the running back situation across the league is. Um, I, as far as Mike Davis goes, I don't know what to tell you. I, I would play him if you need to. You just need a back who's going to be out there, but it hasn't been good. It was also a frustrating day for those who roster Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, despite the fact that he produced well. He played on only, if you looked at the uh, the data here, he played on only 52% of snaps. And then Darrell Williams played on 36%. He got only 14 carries to Williams' 10. And Williams got the only rushing score. Uh, CEH did sort of save his day with a receiving touchdown getting him up, you know, near 20 points. And, and he looked, the thing is, the frustrating part is he looked great on the ground. I mean, very quick, hit the holes fast. Uh, he was dynamic, uh, but he's just not getting enough uh, of a workload. His snap share has decreased even more sharply than Gibson's, gone from 72 all the way to 52% this week. Um, it, it's it's concerning. That's all I got to say. Darrell Williams, because his uh, usage is trending up so high, he needs to be rostered, even though at the end of the day, I don't think he's very good. Um, he's getting touches in a great offense, so you need to have him on a roster if he's on your wire. Uh, it was also, I would say, it was the most frustrating day for those who roster Miles Sanders. Of all these backs in frustrating situations, it got so bad, and I'm not kidding. I was at the Eagles-Chiefs game on Sunday. It got so bad that Eagles fans were literally chanting, run the ball, run the ball. And right after they did that, the coach actually listened and handed it off for a score. But unfortunately, the handoff was to Kenneth Gainwell, not Miles Sanders. Sanders finished with seven carries a week after finishing with two carries. 
So Sanders is, you know, he's a talented back. He looks really good uh, for the most part this season when he's got the ball in his hands. He looks good catching the ball, but the coaches simply do not seem to trust him. And meanwhile, Gainwell's share in the offense keeps growing. He got 11 opportunities on Sunday to Sanders' 10. So even though Sanders is playing more snaps still, he's at 64% to Gainwell's 39. It doesn't matter if they're not giving him touches. Um, personally, I'm going to try to bench Sanders where I can until his workload increases. I would recommend doing the same thing. And if Gainwell is worth an ad, he is worth an ad if he's on your wire. Um, if you don't have any other options besides like a, a very deep guy, um, Sanders, you can still start him because he could take a, a, you know, a long carry to the house at some point, but it's been very frustrating. Also, another concerning situation for those who roster Chris Carson. He played on only 45% of snaps and got 14 touches, while Alex Collins played on 39% and got 12 touches. And Collins was more effective. He went for 78 total yards and a score, Carson only for 31 yards. And this may be a sign that the coaching uh, staff sees Collins as more dynamic now. I really don't know. It could be that there's an injury involved. But either way, I would recommend picking up Alex Collins everywhere that you can in case Carroll just shifts gears and makes him the starter. I mean, we've seen this kind of shift with Carroll before. Uh, for, if you roster Carson, you know what? Uh, same kind of thing with Sanders. I would bench him until I see the touches tick up. I think they will. I do think that's going to happen, but I'm not sure. Uh, Tyson Williams, healthy, inactive for week four. Just a baffling situation in Baltimore. The Ravens just going with the old guys. Uh, Latavius Murray leading the way. He played 62% of snaps, and that's fine. He's been fairly effective, although he only went for less than three yards a carry this week. 18 carries for 59 yards and a score. Meanwhile, they're still they had uh, Le'Veon Bell active over Tyson Williams, which Bell's been done for a while. So I just don't understand the situation. If you have Williams, you probably can drop him. You probably have to drop him to get somebody who's going to actually be active every week. But if you, if you spend a ton of your fab to get him, you may want to hold on for another week or two and see if something shifts. Aaron Jones saw his snap share fall in week four to 62%. He got 15 carries, only went for 48 yards, which isn't terrible. But A.J. Dillon also got 15 carries and went for 81 yards. Uh, Jones had more targets, but it was just a little bit concerning to see they so equally shared the work if you have Jones. And I mean, if you have Dillon, he was in on 40% of snaps. And uh, it looks like you may be able to start him soon uh, if this sort of trend continues. Either way, with Jones, you're going to play him every week because he's going, getting the majority of the carries and he's so dynamic, can score any, any play that he touches the ball. It's just a little frustrating if, you're his, uh, if he's on your roster. Uh, LaVisca Chenault, uh, we saw a big uptick for him, not in snaps. He was, he's been around the 75% uh, snap share every week, but he, he, uh, he saw his average depth of target increase by a lot. Now, I don't have that data yet. That doesn't come out till later. But he, uh, he saw a 29% target share in week four, which was a nice jump. A lot of that was probably due to DJ Chark going down, and it sounds like Chark is done for the year. So that should his target share should probably stay up from here on out unless we see some strange shift. His, his death of target, he was he was close to about three yards from the line of scrimmage, just almost all bubble screens and stuff. He had several targets well down the field and finished with 99 yards, which is by far his best. So that was very promising if you have Chanel on your roster. Calvin Ridley continues to frustrate. He played on 96% of snaps and got 13 targets, which was a 31% target share, but did not score again. Caught only seven of the 13 for 80 yards. I think his day is going to come. I mean, Ridley is a super talented guy. I do think 
it's it's not exactly the same, but there's shades of what happened to Juju Smith-Schuster years ago when he had uh, Antonio Brown on the other side and produced like crazy. I think there was some of that going on with Ridley where teams really did scheme to take away Julio and were willing to leave Ridley sort of on an island, and he took advantage. Well, now he's the top guy, and um, it, he's, he's having a hard time producing uh, like the top guy when he is the top guy. So it's a little bit uh, concerning for sure. If you drafted him early, I don't think you can get away with, away from him. You may want to wait until he has a big touchdown day, like two touchdowns against a weak defense, and then trade him, because I don't think he's going to produce like that throughout the year like he did last year. DJ Moore and Robbie Anderson both played 84% of snaps in Week 4. Moore grabbed the headlines since he caught 8 of 12 for 113 and two scores. But the Panthers did make an effort, as they said they would, to get Anderson more involved. He finished with 11 targets, which was a 28% target share. It, many people di- won't notice because he only caught 5 for 46 yards, but that is a shift, uh, and that's something to keep an eye on. I would definitely um, consider, will definitely pick up Anderson if he's on your wire. Um, if he's available for super cheap, you may want to trade for him because um, he's he's definitely got some upside if they continue incorporating him. Devontae Parker kind of showed up for the first big game this, this year. He only had four catches, but he was targeted nine times, had 77 yards and a score. And it sort of looks to me like Will Fuller is not going to be taking over as the top option in this passing game. I thought he might, and he's he's a great deep threat, but he um, he, he only played on 27% of snaps. So it could just be that he's still working his way back in, but not promising. Parker, meanwhile, played on 90%. And Jalen Waddle looks like the second option. He played on 79%. Uh, it was a breakout day for Kadarius Toney. And if you listen to the podcast I did Friday night, where I talked about guys to consider picking up before week four, he was on the list. And that is a little selling point for you to listen to that podcast. I'm going to be featuring all the players I think might break out in that week. Guys, you should consider picking up. And he was one of them. He ended up playing on 78% of snaps and led the team in targets, nine targets, which was a 23% target share. He caught six for 78, and he looked good. He looked dynamic. Um, now, Kenny Galladay still clearly the number one, um, had 11 targets, so it's not like he's taking over. No, I'm sorry, he had he had eight targets, but he caught seven for 114. So even though Tony uh, led in targets, uh, Galladay still produced the most as far as uh, yards. But he's a must-add in, in all leagues, I think. Um, now, the, the only, I, I shouldn't say that, he's a must-add in most leagues because Sterling Shepard, and Darius Slayton are, are injured, and they will be coming back in not too long. I think they both have hamstring injuries. So that could theoretically push Tony back to the bench to like a 12% target share. But the way he showed out, I, I and I said this beforehand, that if he shows out, he might push for permanent snaps. I think that might be the case here. I think he might push Slayton down to that 10 to 20% of, 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 tar, uh, of snaps, and he might become the new slot guy. So... I, that could not happen, so he's not an add in every every league, certainly not in super thin leagues, but if you're in a deep league, add him everywhere. Uh, Devonta Smith looked the part of a number one receiver on Sunday, caught seven of ten targets for 122 on 92% of snaps. He also had a long touchdown reception, reception that was taken off the board since he stepped out of bounds just before the catch. Jalen Hurts looks like he's improving, so I, I love Devonta Smith the rest of the way. Another guy that if you can get your hands on him for not too expensive, of a price, I think you should. And if you have him, 
I think you start him going forward unless he's against a very strong corner or general uh, defense. Uh, Dan Arnold, uh, he had just joined the Jaguars a couple days before when Thursday Night Football came around. He played on 32% of snaps and caught uh, both of his targets. Um, I, th- I look for that number of snaps to jump significantly in Week 5. I think they targeted him for a reason. I think Lawrence loves targeting the tight end. And now we have Chark injured probably for the rest of the season. So Arnold looks like a very nice pickup this week. If, if he's on your wire, I strongly recommend t- uh, getting him. CJ Uzoma, he's going to be the kind of the talk of the town this this week as far as waiver wire. Uh, he's definitely probably going to uh, get the most fab money spent on him. Uh, he played on 83% of snaps and received six targets, which is a 19% target share. Now, the reason why he's going to be such a big pickup, though, is because he caught five for 95 yards and two scores. Uh, and that sort of production, in my opinion, is not likely to happen again this season. I think that'll be his high high watermark. Um, however, I think he's going to play around 80% of the snaps going forward, so he could certainly have several nice weeks. I would just say don't break the bank on him because the Bengals will focus their targets on their three receivers. Uh, a lot of the reason he got so many targets was because T. Higgins was out with the injury. So just be cautious, but he is still a nice add. Uh, and Dalton Schultz appears to be here to stay. He led the team in targets with eight in week four, a ridiculous 36% target share. He also scored again as well, uh, played on 79% of snaps, his highest percentage of the season. I, th- I think he's become a must start in every league. Uh, I mean, I was hopeful for Blake Jarwin, but he seems to be relegated to the backup role. He's still getting over 50% of snaps most week, but most weeks. But Dalton Schultz is uh, looks to be the guy. So if it, somehow he's still on your wire, I think he's uh, probably your top pickup. Max Williams uh, saw his uh, snap share decrease a bit in Week Four to 58%, but he saw his usage uh, just as strong as as it has been all year. Uh, he was extremely involved, caught all five of his targets for 66 yards and a score. I think he's now officially worth an ad in every fantasy league. Um, it's so tough to find tight ends who are who are this involved and play this many snaps. Now, the, the thing to keep in mind is with every Cardinal, you never know who's going to do what in any given week. They have five legit uh, targets, counting Williams and the four receivers, plus Chase Edmonds, who are all going to receive targets, and in any given week, one of them might get zero targets, and then the next week they'll get eight. So it's just really hard to guess what's going to happen. Uh, just keep that in mind, but if, especially if you're in a tight end premium or, or a deep league, Max Williams should be rostered. It looks like Hunter Henry has maybe surpassed Jonu Smith as the starter at tight end for the Patriots. Of course, this could change, um, but the last couple weeks he's played on significantly more snaps. He played on 68% to Smith's 47 this week. They both received five targets and both actually scored. Henry just looks more involved. He looks um, like he's running more routes down the field. So both should be rostered, but I think you may have gotten a steal with Henry if this usage continues. And one last thing on the hot list. If Josh Gordon is on your wire, I mentioned him in the Friday podcast, you need to pick him up. He might play this coming Sunday. And we saw again in week four how badly the Chiefs could use a wide receiver too. All these other guys they've been using have uh, have not stepped up. Uh, in a big way. So I think they're, they're really talking Gordon up, saying how good he looks, saying he's learning the offense quickly. I think he's worth being rostered in every league in case he has a little bit of a blow up in the next, next couple weeks. So those are the data points I'd pay the most close attention to and act right away. And let's move to some warm data points. Most of these in competitive leagues are still those the sort of thing that you need to act on right away. 
uh, but some can be sort of monitored to see how things shake out. Um, Joe Mixon played on 60, 69% of snaps in week four, his lowest mark of the season. He only received 17 touches. Part of that is he got banged up late in the game. Um, he was involved and should remain so when healthy, but you need to keep an eye on the practice reports this week. Uh, Samaje Pirine is a guy that you should consider adding for week five if it looks like Mixon is not going to play. He, he would probably see around that same 70 to 80% of snaps. Uh, DeAndre Swift saw his highest snap share of the season on Sunday, played on 73% of snaps, and Jamal Williams was down at 30%, but they both saw the same number of opportunities at 14. Now, six of those opportunities were targets for Swift, which, you know, those are more valuable than carries, but he just needs to see a higher percentage of the team's carries to become, like, the the top scorer every week that he could become. He only saw eight carries to Williams' 14 in week four, so... Uh, I think I think that they will shift and give Swift more carries, but they really do love Williams, and he's a, he's a really tough between the tackles back. So it may not change. Uh, if the, if it does, if they start um, giving him more carries, like getting him up above the the ten mark, he should finish as a top ten back this season in PPR leagues. Kareem Hunt played on more snaps than Nick Chubb on Sunday, despite a close game throughout, which was a little surprising. Hunt played on 53% of snaps, and Chubb played on 47%. Now, Chubb did get more opportunities, 22 to Hunt's 18, but this is just a very equal timeshare. I mean, Hunt is getting more targets, and so, you know, like I said, those are a little more valuable. If I have either player on my rosters, I'm starting them every week. Uh, This is a run-first team, and they will be very involved every week. Uh, Derrick Henry played on only 59% of snaps, check this out, but still got 33 carries, which he took for over 150 yards and a score. Uh, What a workload, and this guy just keeps on ticking. He's a beast. Uh, you got to start him every week, of course. Backup, Jeremy McNichols, he played on 40% of snaps, basically every snap Henry didn't, and only got one carry. But he led the team in targets with 12. Now, obviously Julio and A.J. Brown were out. So you got to take it with a grain of salt. But he caught eight balls for 74 yards. He's clearly good in the pass game. What I don't know is if Darrington Evans is going to regain the number two role when he gets healthy, uh, if he gets healthy. (laughs) But for now, McNichols is a back to watch because they can't play Henry every snap and they love apparently to throw the ball to this guy. So um, he's he's a good pickup if you need help at back. I have several leagues where I am hurting badly at running back. I will definitely consider picking McNichols up. Michael Carter finally eclipsed 50% of snaps, which was a a big deal. Only 51%, but he had 13 carries, which was far more than Tevin Coleman and Ty Johnson, who had four and three. It's it's promising, but obviously it's the Jets. They have a tough, a a rough O-line, so you got to temper your expectations. He only finished 13 for 38 and a score, but that score, I mean, that's a big deal. The Jets rush for for a touchdown, so that's huge. I recommend stashing Michael Carter on your bench in any leagues where he's available just to see what happens. If the line improves or the the offense improves, he he could have some huge value down the stretch. Uh, Trey Sermon, very effective on Sunday, played on 51% of snaps and got 89 yards on 19 carries. Very good. Uh, We have absolutely no idea, though, if Sermon, Mitchell, um, Jeff Wilson, or some other back we've never heard of will lead the way for the 49ers going forward. So just be very cautious. Um, If you have Sermon, keep him. But don't, don't go crazy. Uh, in his return, Curtis Samuel received four targets and caught them all for 19 yards. 
Uh, it wasn't much on the stat sheet, but it was a positive start. He, he's a good addition. If he's on your wire, I would definitely add him this week. He will get more targets as we move forward. Interesting situation for the Bears when we had uh, we finally saw Justin Fields throw the ball around a little bit, but it was Darnell Mooney who led the way with, uh, among receivers. He played 71% of snaps for the Bears while Robinson only 69 and got seven targets to Robinson's three. Now, Mooney's seven targets were a 41% target share, so it just seems worth noting that Mooney seems to be Fields' go-to receiver. He finished with five for 125. Now, I don't I don't think um, Fields is even going to start uh, once, once we see Andy Dalton healthy, so it's just something to be very cautious with, but if you have Mooney on your roster, you got to like what you were seeing. Uh, if Mooney's on a, on a wire out there, um, pick him up because he longer term he's definitely going to have um, have some nice value. Jameson Crowder had a big week for the Jets. He played on 62% of snaps and led the team in targets with nine, which was a 26% target share. He caught seven for 61 yards and a score. So the injury to Elijah Moore it might have just cost him a chance at a significant workload for now. Obviously, longer term, certainly next year, Moore is going to be. Uh, maybe the guy there along with Corey Davis. But Crowder, he was showed he can still be effective. And it did seem that Zach Wilson played more effectively in this game. So um, if you have more, you're probably either benching him for the long term or cutting him in shallower leagues. Crowder probably should be picked up everywhere. Uh, Russ Wilson only threw 23 passes in the win on Sunday, meaning that we may see more of not letting Russ cook because the Seahawks won. Uh, Tyler Lockett saw only five of those passes come his way, but amazingly, that was a 22% target share. Uh, he finished four for 24. It's a, it's a dud. It's really hard to recover from if you started him, which you probably did if he's on your roster. Uh, I in, in most of my leagues, I drafted a bunch of receivers because I like to have a big, a big, uh, you know, um, group of receivers I can choose from. So I'm going to move away from Lockett in in most matchups where I think Seattle won't just totally. Um, be trailing and have to throw to catch up. It seems like they prefer to play slow on offense. So it's just something to keep in mind. It, you probably have to start him unless you have comparable options, but because he can go, he can go off anytime, but I'm just, um, I, I'd like to move away from him where I can, because it seems like he's either injured or they're just wanting to run the ball a ton. Mo Ali Cox came back to life. He played uh, 69% of snaps on Sunday. His previous high this season was 51 in week one. Uh, perhaps the coaches want to make a shift toward him and away from Doyle, but I think probably it's because Doyle was dealing with an injury. I'm just not buying it yet, uh, mainly because the Colts coaches are impossible to figure out. I can't tell what they're doing. So just wait on this. See if a trend develops before you uh, spend spend money to get Ali Cox. Tyler Conklin, again, played on most snaps, 85%, got six targets. He only had four for 18 yards. Uh, but it was a rough game for the whole Vikings offense. They only scored seven points. The usage and opportunities still remain promising for Conklin. So if he's available, I'd pick him up as well. Uh, and he didn't produce much, but it was a positive day for Evan Ingram. He played on 68% of snaps, got six targets, and caught five for 27 yards. This Giants offense is improving, uh, which could lead to some great games for Ingram this season. Uh, they've got a lot of options in that passing game, but Ingram is, some, is somebody with this tight end landscape that should be rostered everywhere. Um, if you can tr you know, make a trade off for him for super cheap because everyone's fed up with him, it might be a good move because he's got upside for sure. And last on this warm list, um, Anthony Ferkser finally returned in week four, played on 50% of snaps. He's still probably dealing with a little bit of injury, getting worked back in, uh, but he, uh, he led the tight end 
uh, role for the Titans. He caught three of five targets for 23 yards. So it didn't do much, but it's just worth noting that he uh, got five targets and uh, could be a good addition if you need a tight end. Finally, let's just move to a few of these uh, lower, like longer range data points. We call them lukewarm. Just things to keep in mind uh, to see how they develop. And possibly in super deep leagues, you might want to move on them uh, now, but most of them are just watch and see. David Johnson uh, on the, this putrid Houston offense, he did play 57% of snaps on Sunday. They've usually been playing all four backs in the 30% range. So just worth noting, he didn't do much, but he got nine opportunities uh, in this blowout by, by Buffalo. So just wanted to mention that. Just watch it, see what happens. Uh, Daryl Henderson, he played on 90% of snaps, basically relegating Sony Michelle back to the bench. Now, Michelle lost a fumble, so that may have been the reason, but Henderson looked great. He had 14 carries, 89 yards, and caught five of six targets for 27 yards. So if that continues, he'll be a top fantasy running back this season. Just keep an eye on whether they can start working Henderson, or I'm sorry, working Michelle back in quite a bit or not. Uh, Damian Harris played the most snaps among Patriots running backs at 61%, but they barely rushed the ball. They just decided to avoid that due to the Bucks front this week. Uh, it looks like he's going to remain the starter for now. Just wanted to say, keep an eye on Ramondre Stevenson. He remains inactive these past few weeks, but he is getting um, he's getting talked up by the by the coaches on the Patriots a little bit, and he's probably just getting the Belichick rookie treatment. He fumbled in week one, and he's been inactive the last three weeks. Once he is active, I see him getting a lot of snaps uh, because I think he's right there with Damian Harris as far as talent. So just, just a guy to keep an eye on longer term. Quintez Cephas led Detroit receivers in snap share with 87%, had five targets and finished four for 83. Amon Ross St. Brown played 72% of snaps and got eight targets, so had more targets. That was a 21% target share uh, and finished six for 70. So uh, St. Brown was a guy I liked coming into the season. And he, he looked kind of bad the first couple weeks, but um, he's a guy to keep an eye on. If you if you need a receiver, if, if this usage continues and he keeps getting around a 15 to 20% target share, he's going to have value because the Lions are going to be trailing in all these games. They need some receiver who's consistent to throw to. Uh, right now, they, they keep throwing touchdown passes to Khalif Raymond. So I would just uh, consider picking up St. Brown if this usage continues over the next couple weeks. Marquez Callaway played on 82% of snaps and led the team in receiving yards with 74, but he only got two targets. Uh, this is this Saints offense is one to avoid completely if you can, uh, except for Kamara. And it will be interesting to see if anything changes when Michael Thomas returns. But for now, they just aren't throwing the ball, and they just look uh, like a very, very boring offense. So avoid if you can completely, and just keep an eye on it to see if Michael Thomas maybe changes anything when he comes back. Yet again, Cole Komet played basically every snap, and yet again he did almost nothing, only had one catch on three targets. Just keep him on your bench until the Bears' offense improves and starts throwing more. Now there's a chance three, four weeks down the road they still aren't throwing it more and you got to drop him, that's fine. But he's he played the most, the highest snap share percentage among all tight ends. So just not, it's something to, to keep uh, in the back of your mind. Keep him if you can, or pick him up if he gets dropped, um, unless you know you don't have space for him. Because eventually, if they improve, he's going to be very involved. Uh, Mike Kosicki played on 69% of snaps, which is his highest mark of the season. And this is another thing just to keep an eye on. He's become a very dependable tight end, but and, and that will continue uh, most likely. But you just need to watch for when Tua returns. If, if, if he stops getting so many targets or if they shift their offense around so he's getting less less snaps, it's just something that you got to keep in mind. 
So that will do it for this week. About twice as many data points are in my article over at fftoday.com. I will be uh, posting the link to that article on my Twitter soon. So please follow me on Twitter if you haven't yet. I'm at KevinScottFF. Please also follow the show, which is at Grinding the Data. I hope this data has been uh, useful for you, helpful for you, and helps you make some sort of moves that helps you win. And uh, if you enjoy the podcast, please don't forget to rate and review the show when you get a chance. No matter how the season has gone so far, remember, don't stop trying. It's not over till it's over, so keep grinding.